Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Before I introduce my guest, I just want um, to talk a little bit about the book that I wrote. Um, It's called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Its goal is to amplify the voices of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. So those of you that have bought the book, I appreciate that. I encourage you to continue to share it with others, post sections about it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, If you have time, go to Amazon and leave us a review. And appreciate all you're doing to get the stories of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints out to others. My guest on today's podcast, and I better turn on his mic. I just realized it's not on. Now it's on, is my friend Bryce Larson. Welcome to the podcast, Bryce. Thanks for having me, Richard. Um, Bryce is going to talk about his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. He is 28. He has a double major from Utah State in Logan, Utah, in marketing and business administration. He's had a couple really good jobs, um, currently has a job with a corporate, with a company with their corporate headquarters in Logan. Um, So he's a marketing guide, um, well down his career, uh, well along in his career. Um, We will just talk about his story. He grew up in a small town in Idaho on a potato potato farm. Um, So some of us think about Idaho and potatoes, and that's probably a generalized stereotype, but in in Bryce's case, that's part of his family story, and that's a great part of his family story. Bryce served a mission in Sydney, Australia, and that's where one of our sons served, and we actually just had them talk on the phone together about a common apartment they shared on the 27th floor in downtown Sydney because it was one of my son's favorite apartments. Um, Bryce um, will talk about his mission experience and um, just talk about his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. Bryce is at the position now where he's dating men. Um, and he, I think he would like to marry a man. And some would say, well, why would I have a podcast on with someone who's choosing a path outside of the teachings of our church? And, and the reason is I want to bring us together as the same human family. And I want to have people be able to share their stories um, wherever they are. And I just recognize um, my responsibility as a Latter-day Saint is to, is to be friends with all. Latter-day Saints and support them as they make their choices and what they feel is their best life path. And to me, that doesn't compromise anything that I believe in. It just brings us together as the same human family. I also believe stories like Bryce give perspective to others, and especially perhaps to suicidal, closeted LGBTQ Latter-day Saints who may feel there's no hope for them or no path. Perhaps hearing from someone like Bryce can give them hope that there is a future. Um, I'd love to do things that bring hope to others and get people out of really dark spaces. And I have a feeling this podcast from Bryce may help others um, be in a better space. Are you okay with that introduction, Bryce? That's amazing. Thanks for having me. Um, Just let's talk about wherever you want to start. Pre-mission, do you want to talk about Idaho and introduce your family and your, maybe that's a good place to start. Sure. Yeah. Well, before maybe we start there, I just want to say thanks again for having me and And for all of those listening, like, this is my story, but everyone's story is so different. And I respect and love and appreciate everyone's stories and, and realize that, uh, this is mine and, and, uh, the path that I'm on might be some different than someone else's and and that's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a super, super small town, uh, called Hamer in Idaho. And I think if you Wikipedia, the population, it says it's like 38 or something. It's so small. 
And I grew up on a potato farm, like you mentioned, uh, a corporate farm that uh, we grew, yeah, mainly potatoes, grain, and hay. And, and that was my upbringing. Just super small Idaho farm town, very stereotypical, like you mentioned. But it's my, yeah, my story. I, I come from uh, a pretty big family. I have four sisters and one brother. And um, what's unique about my family and, and part of the story that I love is uh, my two youngest sisters are adopted. Um, one's from Haiti and one's from Ghana. And so I've had great opportunities and experiences there and been able to travel to those countries and, and see need and poverty and, and a lot of uh, blessings from, from having my sisters in my life. That's great. Uh, where are you the youngest, oldest? Or? I'm, yeah, I'm number three of six. So, so right, right in the there middle. in the middle. And tell us about this acreage of your potato farm. Oh, Do you know that off the top of your head? Man, it was, it was it, oh, huge. Just big. Yeah, huge. Uh, a big farm in Idaho. Uh, and we had like a, a packaging facility there too, wow. where we would uh, put the potatoes in bags and boxes to sell to Walmart, Five Guys, grocery stores all over the nation. That's so. great. And your family's still in that business? Uh, sadly, we've left the business, um, yeah, with some things that have happened. That's but, fine. Yeah, well, my parents are in St. George now. That is great. Um, oh, we always wanted to raise our kids on a farm because we just figured they'd learn how to work. So that's one of the great things about being raised on a farm. Talk about um, your mission. Tell us a little bit about your mission. Yeah, so I loved my mission. Um I, like you mentioned, I served in the Australia Sydney mission. Um, and uh, I remember getting the call. I, I had uh, guessed that I would go somewhere in Australia and I opened the letter and I got the call and I was super excited. And I, I really loved my mission. Um, and I think some of the biggest things that I learned on my mission and some of the biggest testimony builders that I had was um, that God loves his children. Like, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, like God loves his children. Australia is such an incredible place because it's a melting pot from cultures and people all over the world. Um, and so I was very fortunate and lucky to, to have that experience where my first area was 98% Samoan people. And my mission president at the time, when I first came in, he was like, Elder Larson, uh, I'm sending you to this area because the last missionary I sent there gained 60 pounds in two transfers, and it looks like you could gain some weight. So um, great experiences there. And then I was able, as you mentioned, to serve in downtown Sydney City, where uh, you can walk on the street and pass 10 different people and hear them speaking 10 different languages because they're from 10 different countries. And I love that. I, I, I miss that. Talk about um, your your introduce your sexual orientation to us, and just when you um, talk to anybody about that, or um, just kind of introduce that part of your story at this point. Sure. Yeah. So I identify as gay, um, and I think from my earliest memories as a child growing up, I always felt different, and I. Uh, I never admitted or I, I never fully recognized or understood what it was, but I remember growing up and, and feeling like I was different. Um, and um, I think as I got older and before my mission, I, I recognized that it, I was gay, but I would never say those words out loud. Like I, I would never say I'm gay. Um, and 
I remember before my mission and going on my mission, I uh, made a promise with God that I would be the best, most diligent, hardworking missionary um, if he would take it away from me. And so I remember like pleading with God before my mission and then on my mission as well. Um, and having all of the faith in the world that if I lived up to my end of the promise and I served hard and was obedient, that he would change me. And um, I worked really hard on my mission. I loved those people. And um, uh, I uh, came back uh, from my mission and, and um, had a wonderful experience, but I, I didn't feel different. I still felt gay. Um, and the first person I ever came out to was actually a companion that I had on my mission, uh, who became a brother. Uh, and, uh, I, he was living in Korea at the time he is Korean. And so we were messaging back and forth on Facebook and I was having a hard day and just struggling inside and, and feeling really alone. And that's, I think one of the hardest things for, um, people in a similar situation to me, um, where it's being gay wasn't something I wanted. It wasn't something I felt comfortable with. And so I felt very, very, very alone. And like, I couldn't share this part of me with anyone because they would reject me. They wouldn't love me. And, um, so I, I messaged him on Facebook messenger and, and eventually told him and, and he responded so well. He was like, Bryce, I like the, the way I felt about you two minutes ago and the way I feel about you now is no different. How did that make you feel? Yeah. I, I, I've had really great experiences with coming out and I feel very fortunate and lucky to, uh, to be in that position where people have loved me. I, I, before I came out, I thought that my plan was to run away, that I would, I've been living in Logan all of this time. Everyone knows me as one person. How can I possibly, I was very, very Mormon. Um, how, how can someone accept and, and recognize me and love me for being gay? Um, and so my plan was to pack up and move to somewhere else and just start over. And I'm so glad I didn't do that um, because I've had really good experiences with a lot of loving members of the church and friends and family who uh, have... Sexuality doesn't define a person. It is an aspect of me, but like who I choose to love isn't who I am. And so I'm glad that I got to learn that and see that, that like people are good and, and can, can choose to continue to love. You're doing a good job of sharing your story. Mm -hmm. I hope everybody can feel your great heart and your sincerity and just your goodness. Uh, Bryce has brought me to tears a couple of times before we even started this podcast. Go back to what why did you feel if you, you were why did you make that deal with god or or that feeling that if you were the best missionary you'd come back from that plane from sydney straight is it is there specific times just talk through that just why you came to that conclusion that that was a possibility yeah i i love I loved the church. I still love the church and I love God. Um, and I, 
I knew the teachings of the church and, and knew that, uh, you know, family is an important aspect and marriage between a man and woman is ordained of God. And so I, I recognized that my feelings weren't in line with that. And so, uh, you know, I, I love the principle of faith and, you know, faith as small as a mustard seed, you can, you know, it, it just takes faith that small. And so, uh, I, I made that promise with God that I would, you know, be diligent and obedient and follow the rules and, and really love and serve and, and bring people unto Christ. And, uh, because I wanted to follow, like I had all purpose and intention of heart to, to be aligned and, and to follow the church. And, uh, and so that's, yeah, I think that's why I made the promise with God and, and went on my mission and, and was I perfect? No, but did I try like with all of my soul to be the best missionary I could? Absolutely. And when we got on the phone with my son who you had been home a year by the time my son got there. He knew exactly who you are um, from his message. And um, I think it's a credit to you and your service there. You don't like to be a name dropper, but you served as an assistant to President Howes, um, the same mission president that was the mission president for our son that we just love, President Sister Howes, and that just sent your dedication. Talk about I, I'm still kind of going back to you leaving on your mission. If you could go back to talk to your 18 or 19 year old self, whatever age you were, um, knowing and you're 28 now, knowing that your sexuality didn't change because of your mission, and you could talk to your, would you still? What would you say to yourself? You know, those few months leading up to your mission, would you still say go on a mission? Oh, one thousand percent. Yeah. I loved my mission and I think that missions are a great time for people to, to learn about themselves, to be placed in situations and experiences where they're hard. And um, yeah, my mission was a, a huge learning and testimony building experience of, uh, I think more than anything, I learned how to love people and I learned about the atonement. Um, I felt such great love for the people of Australia. and. Um, I know God loves his children and I feel like as a missionary, you get a glimpse of that. And, uh, I miss that where I would, I felt like I could walk down the street and just feel godly love for the people in that area. And, um, yeah, I, I, I loved that experience to, to feel part of God's love for the people that I was serving. And I developed a great testimony of the strengthening and enabling powers of the atonement. By nature, I'm a very perfectionist type of person. Um, and so I remember I, I hadn't had much interaction with missionaries prior to my mission. Uh, you know, growing up, there was, I think, one set of missionaries dedicated to several stakes in my area. And so they came over to my house several times for dinner, but that was my only interactions. So I had this idea of what missionaries were and uh, the, the difference between like my expectation for missionaries who were perfect and dedicated and knew the scriptures and were the great finders and teachers and what I was when I started. And that gap was big and I just felt so inadequate and, and so mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, spiritually exhausted after every single day. 
And I, I remember like knowing that I was supposed to be there and just knowing that the atonement could strengthen me and, uh, and uplift me in all of those areas. And I remember praying and, and asking God to like strengthen me, to help me. And, and I have a huge testimony that God does, uh, through the atonement. Uh, the, the atonement is not just there to forgive us for our weaknesses and our sins, but it is there to strengthen us and help us in our times of trial. And uh, I felt that on my mission and I felt that since my mission that, that the atonement is real and, and does provide strength and yeah, uplift, upliftment. I love, I love that. And I recognize that there's a lot of people in Australia now wherever they've moved that are better off because of Elder Larson and the work you've done, the way you've connected them with Heavenly Father and the atonement. Um, and I recognize you're in a great spot just with your relationship with God and understanding of the atonement. What would you say to yourself um, pre-mission about just your sexuality because you're thinking you can change it? Yeah. What would you say to yourself about that? Um, would you still give yourself hope that it could change or would you have a practical conversation with your younger self and say, go serve a mission. It's going to help you, but it's not going to, what would you do? Yeah. I, again, this is sort of you talking to, this is me talking to me. And again, my experience is different than everyone's, but I would say Bryce, love yourself. Like, I think that's what's taken me so long. It's taken me 28 years to finally love who I am. And, um, so yeah, I would say, uh, love yourself and, and go serve a mission and, and serve God. But, uh, for me, like it, my sexuality wasn't going to change. I think one, one thing I want to talk about is I think that in the gospel and in the church, that things are so black and white. Oftentimes it's either right or it's wrong. It's either true or it's not, it's either yes or it's no. And uh, that, I love that. Like I, I, by nature, I'm a very black and white person and, and that's easy. Um, but my experience in life, uh, has not been black and white. Um, my experience has been very gray and, um, learning to live in the gray is something that I'm learning to do every day and to be happy in the gray. Um, but for me, yeah, my life is not black and white. And, and I think why it took me so long to come out and be comfortable with myself is because I was searching for that. I either wanted to choose to be gay and to, to go on this journey and, and to fully embrace that, or I wanted to be Mormon and celibate. And, and for me right now where I am, I'm living very much in the middle and um, I'm happy doing that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's been my experience and journey. I love that. And, you know, I don't want to get too much in this part of the story, but I'm, one of the trends I'm seeing is just more younger Latter-day Saints that are gay or lesbian being aware of that earlier pre-mission and sort of being at peace with that. There's sort of internalized homophobia because I think we're improving a society, puts them in a place they can accept us about themselves pre-mission and come out pre-mission. And I, one of the things that I've noticed in that, that group is some of those believe their path is eventually to find a same-sex partner. So they wonder if they should serve a mission um, because they recognize that the, or their eventual path may be outside the teachings, is outside the teachings of our church. And I would, 
encourage you not to rule out a mission now because you feel like your path in the future may not be consistent with the church. Um, straight missionaries, straight people your age may be eventually on a path that's not consistent with the church post-mission. So I just, I wouldn't rule that out. I don't think you're being unauthentic as a missionary if you feel your path is sometimes down the road, possibly down the road differently. I think you can process those as two different decisions. And I do recognize um, all the things that Bryce did on his mission for others and all the things that brought into Bryce's life. And I think everybody's better off because Bryce served a mission. And Bryce is careful to say, don't take my story and make it your story. Mm -hmm. But every story is important. And I wouldn't go down this path that Bryce is, uh, how do I word this? (laughs) I mean, some people would say, well, you're not keeping your temple covenants now, so it'd be better if you never took them in the first place. Um, and I, and I don't. I just think it's not our part to judge anybody's um, if they're keeping or not keeping their temple covenants. That's part of the judgment that that I don't think any of us are responsible for. And so I'm not going to do that with anybody. Um, and I just. Any thoughts on that segment that I sort of just went off on? Yeah, I think for me, like, um, it is hard. And, and, I, and I mentioned that, like, before I came out, I wanted to figure everything out because um, I did have such love for God and I want to follow him and I still do. Um, but I think for me and where I've kind of landed at now is um, I know God knows my heart and he knows that. I am trying and I want to be a good person. And uh, I hope that at the end that God judges my heart. Um, Yeah. I love that. And in the book, we talk a little bit about, you know, not judging others. And we talk about Elder Gates' talk where he gave a blessing to a sister who was never fully active in the church and was rebuked by the Spirit in that final interaction with a sister who was passing away. And so I think Elder Gay was teaching us a principle that we, it's not our job to judge. Um, we're called to be gatherers, not sifters, is what I saw on Twitter from one of my friends and made it into the book. And so I think our job as Latter-day Saints is to be gatherers and gather everybody where they are and help them feel welcome in our families and our congregations and not to be sifters. Sifters, to me, is I'm looking at somebody with my judgmental eyes and sort of, and sort of sifting them. I'm, I'm pushing them away. Mm. And to me, um, Christ never did that, Bryce. He was a gatherer. He wanted everybody to feel welcome. And I, I just think that that's what our responsibility is to do. And as we're going to talk about, your family's doing a great job. Any more on this mission and pre-mission and any of that? No, I think, yeah, my mission was a great experience and it's, it's helped me and set me up for so many aspects of my life and, and I'll never regret serving. Talk a little bit about your career. Just, you can talk about who you work for if you want to, or you can just generally talk about um, what you're doing with your career. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I work full-time in marketing and I, I love what I do. I feel very fortunate. I know some, so many people that hate their jobs and I love my job and that's what's kept me in Logan for so long. Um, yeah, so I work for a company, it's called Maloof. We make sleep products. Um, so I love sleep, uh, pillows, sheets, mattresses, everything for the bedroom. Uh, and I lead our creative teams. So I work with in-house photographers, videographers, graphic designers, copywriters, and 
we make content to to sell our products and to to help people sleep better. So it's a fun job. It's a great job, and I love the way your um, your education matches with what you're doing. And I all those that are in the middle of education wondering if you're going to get a job in that area I, that gives me hope. Yeah, absolutely. And you're just I can tell you just love your job. Talk just more about your story. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about coming out to your family or just more of, you know, dating. Just share sure. wherever you want to go at this point. Yeah. So after my mission, I um, I was on a roller coaster for years um, up until I came out to my family um, in May of 2018. Um, I I felt like I was on a roller coaster because I, I was still trying to not be gay. And, uh, you know, there's the phrase of praying the gay away. And I was absolutely trying to do that where, uh, I would, you know, there was periods of time for six to eight months where I would be like, okay, Bryce, like pray fast, read, go to church, go to the temple, like try so hard to, to change who I was. And then I would, you know, go fall down and be upset with myself again and then have this renewed energy and and focus to okay you know you have you have this like read pray fast go to the temple and i did that for years um up until a time where i knew i was gay i had finally admitted it to myself that i knew i was gay and i i feel like there's this uh, natural feeling to be loved and to have someone that loves you. It's a, a very innate desire that I, I feel is part of who we are as individuals. And I absolutely had that. And I still have that, uh, that innate desire to have love, to love. And so I um, started dating and I, but I wasn't comfortable with who I was. Like I knew I was gay, but I didn't want to be gay. And I think that's very uh, it's a, a complex profound comp- comment. Yeah, it was. It's a complex situation, um, and so for me, because I, I knew I wanted to at least try dating, I got on a dating app, and but I didn't have a face picture of myself. I didn't have my real name on the dating app, and so I was still hiding because I didn't want to be gay, even though I knew I was, and. Uh, went on a few dates and and eventually started dating someone. Um, but that was a challenge. And dating while being discreet or not out is is a very difficult challenge because you're you're not comfortable with who you are. But I think a, a big part of a relationship is, you know, loving yourself and being able to love yourself enough so that you can love another person. and and so, yeah, it was. A good experience. I've learned so much, but um, definitely a, a speed bump in my journey that I'm on. Uh, can you re say that phrase again? Um, I don't know the one about I didn't. I'm yeah. I knew I was gay, but I didn't want to be gay. Just explain that a little bit more. I think you've done a good job already. Yeah. So like I I knew that my feelings were real and I couldn't deny them. And I had tried for years to change them, like on my mission, you know, pleading with God to take it away. And then for gosh, three or four years after my mission, still going through that same journey of, of trying to change 
who I was. But I had finally known that I, I was gay, but that didn't change the aspect that like, I, did, I didn't want to be gay. I wouldn't have chosen this. So I asked the question so many times of like, why me? Why can't this change? Like, um, and so I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I wasn't um, authentically me. And I think it affected a lot of relationships that I had um, growing up from my earliest memories to relationships, even in college and, and um, where I just had this wall up where I, I didn't want to let people in too close because I knew that they would figure out I was gay. And it's honest. And yeah, maybe not love me um, or not accept me. So it's been a challenge to break down that wall and to finally um, not only know that I am gay, but be happy and being gay and like loving myself because I am a gay man. A, a while ago, someone asked me, um, they were like, Bryce, if you could take a pill and not be gay, would you? And if someone would have asked me that question, maybe even a year and a half ago, I would have said, absolutely, like, I'll take it. Um, but I, I feel lucky that now I'm at a stage where I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't change who I am. Like, I finally am comfortable in my own skin and I, I love who I am. And uh, it's a part of who I, being gay is a part of who I am. It doesn't, it, it isn't the only aspect that defines me. So, so much of my upbringing and, and being raised LDS has shaped me and who I am today. Um, so I'm finally happy with kind of all aspects of who I am. How do you think your heavenly parents feel about you and, and as their gay son? I know they love me. Like I have such a strong testimony that our heavenly parents like love. And so I, I know they love me. Um, and I think that at the core is the most important thing. Like, I know they love me. It's a really good segment. And I was kind of stunned the first time a couple LGBTQ Latter-day Saints told me they wouldn't take, they wouldn't take the pill or they wouldn't push the button. And I, that was pretty transforming for me to, cause I just, it felt right to me that our loving heavenly parents would want everybody to feel at peace with how they're created. Mm and a feeling that Heavenly Father isn't up there going, oh, no, what went wrong? Bryce is gay. Like something went awry. I don't think he's capable of being surprised. Or, um, so I think that who you are is just part of the needed, beautiful diversity in the world. Yeah. And um, so we talk about just then your journey to kind of get through that being comfortable, I didn't want to be gay to where you are now. And I don't know if that included the letter to your family or other things. Yeah. So uh, as part of my journey is, has been coming out to my family. And that's where I started. I had told my mission companion first, um, uh, just in a Tell time us of... his name again. Yeah, his name's Elder Shim, or Young Shim. Um, he's Good a, job if you're listening, <laughs> Elder Shim. He's a great man. Um, and it's cool that something about you just made you safe for Bryce to come out to. And that's a credit to you. And I think we can all do just probably you just knew something that he would just be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great person. But I knew that I wanted to eventually come out to my family. Like I, I love my family and I wanted them to full, to know the full me. And, and I didn't want to have this wall up with my family 
um, where they couldn't n- know the full price. Um, and so for me, what I chose to do was I chose to write a letter to my family. And everyone has different ways of coming out. And I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. But for me, this was the right way um, where I feel like I had taken years to, to come to an understanding of who I was and, and finally feel somewhat comfortable with myself. Even at this time, I came out to my family. Like I was in that stage of I knew I was gay, but I didn't really want to be gay. Um, and so I decided to write a letter. And it took me seven months to write this letter and to get up the courage to eventually send it to my family. Um, And maybe I'll read part of that letter if that's okay. We'd all be honored. Um, So yeah, this is uh, how my letter started. Um, Dear family, it's October 12th, 2017 right now at 6, 10 a.m. As I begin to write this letter and put down some of my thoughts. I'm not exactly sure when I'll finish this and when, you'll, when you will receive it. And while I'm just starting this letter to you today, what it contains has been something I've been wrestling with honestly since my earliest memories. It's something I've been thinking seriously about for the last seven years. And I tell you that just so you understand this isn't something that's happening out of the blue. It's something that I have spent years thinking about. This is a letter about happiness, a letter about finding happiness and being happy. And while I'm only 25 and realize I have a lot to learn, I think that at the end of the day, that's what everyone is searching for, happiness. It's something I crave every day. And while there are some areas in my life I feel very happy, there are some areas I don't. There is so much to say and so much I want to say. So I, can hope, so I hope you read this letter with an open heart and try to understand where I'm coming from. I'm gay. Um, I... It took me so long to write the letter and uh, about just as long to send it. Um, but I, I wanted to have the perfect time to come out. I, I never wanted to be a burden on my family. And I felt that like coming out and being the gay son would be a burden on my family. Um, and I worried that I would be an embarrassment to my family. Um, and growing up in a small town, everyone knows everyone. And yeah, so I had a lot weighing on me that um, I would be an embarrassment, that I would be a shame, that I would disappoint them. And so I, it took me so long to, uh, to send it. Um, but I knew that I had to. And, and uh, finally, what thankfully, actually looking back on it now, my sister was getting married in the temple soon, um, at the time. And I knew I needed to send it before the wedding, um, because I wasn't temple worthy. And I, that's a difficult situation for, and I'm sure many people are in that situation, gay or not, where maybe they're not temple worthy and they can't go to the temple for a wedding or for another ordinance. And there's, it's, there's shame that you feel there and, and embarrassment. And I'm like, I need to just send it so that there's not questions. And so I remember it was late one night and I was laying in my bed and I decided to email the letter. Um, and so I uh, sent the email to my parents to start. And I uh, then sent my mom a text 
because I'm like, I couldn't wait days for her to check her email and feel all of this anxiety. And, and I, I was just, I was so scared because I didn't know how they would respond. Um, and so I sent my mom a text and said, Hey mom, I just sent you an email. Like when you have a chance, um, read it. And she responded back. She's like, okay, perfect. And then about 30 minutes later, uh, I get this call from my mom and I reject the call. I don't answer it. I'm laying in my bed and, and I still remember all of those feelings that I was feeling at that time, um, where I was, I was scared. I was, I was crying. I was, I was probably depressed. Um, and so she called again and I didn't answer. And she finally sent me a text and she's like, Bryce, answer your phone. And um, so I did. And um, she was on the line and my dad was on the line as well. And um, I'll never forget what she said. Um, she's amazing, by the way. I love her. Um, she was like, Bryce, she's like, I love you. And I just want you to be happy. And whatever happiness looks like for you, you know, I'm going to support you and I'll always love you. And that's exactly what I needed to hear at the time. I think so often for parents who might be listening to this, who have um, gay children, it's difficult. Like you don't know what to say, but your son or daughter doesn't know what to say either. Um, and I'm glad my mom chose to love. And uh, that's not to say it hasn't been hard or that it has been perfect, but um, my mom instantly responded with love. Pretty tender moment. It's, we're just honored you brought it, bring us into that really tender personal moment. Talk about the rest of your family. And if you have nieces and nephews, are they, how, how are the siblings with kids responding to potentially you and your husband? Yeah. Your boyfriends being in the family circle. Yeah. Good question. So I, I came out to my fam or my parents first, and then I eventually came out to my siblings as well and sent the same letter. Um, and um, one of my sisters has uh, children. So I have uh, three nieces and one nephew right now. And I remember in her response, uh, she emailed me back and uh, she again responded with great love and was like, Bryce, I love you. And, and you've stood by me in times where I needed you to stand by me and I'm going to choose to stand by you at this time. And she's like, I'm going to tell um, her two oldest daughters and she's like, I don't know when I'm going to tell them, um, but I want to. And uh, she just made the comment that she would um, always choose to stand by me and that her family would always choose to love me no matter what. And uh, my family's been amazing. I think for, for a period of time after I came out, there was this period of, of silence um, where I don't think they knew how to bring it up again. I didn't know how to bring it up again. And so like, for me, it felt like bringing it up felt like re-coming out. And um, so that's something I would say, like, I think open communication after coming out is, is important. It's hard. It's hard to talk about these things, um, especially where maybe both sides aren't comfortable yet. I wasn't comfortable yet with who I was. Um, but my family is in a great place now and, and I've brought boyfriends over and um 
or a boyfriend over and they have been super loving and accepting. And I think for so many of uh, those who are listening that maybe are LGBTQ or, or gay, that you just want to feel normal. And I've, my whole life, I've just wanted to felt, feel quote unquote normal, whatever that means. And um, I finally feel that way with my family now that they're treating me very normally. And um, I, I feel very fortunate and lucky to have great family and friends and, and coworkers who I'm out to and, and everyone just continues to love me. And, and uh, being gay is normal. Like, um, and so, yeah, you shouldn't feel like, like you can't be treated that way. It's a great segment. If any of your family's listening, great job. And I think you're, you're, you're not only know the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I think you're living it. And I think that's such a key part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the importance of families and to keep the family circle together. And I, and I, some siblings would separate their children from you, but I think that that's just fear, that fear that somehow their children could be confused into being gay because they have a gay uncle that has a boyfriend it's and you're so shaking. not true. <laughs> I just think those are some society things that as we're getting learning more. Um, and I talk about in the book, I don't think anybody gets confused into being gay. No. I think Bryce, as you hear Bryce's story, that's the last thing he would love. I mean, he's done everything in the book to not be gay. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it actually helps families have conversations that are educational in nature, age appropriate, that are helpful. And so I think, I think you use the word burdensome, mm. pretty honest way. We did a podcast with episode 193 with the BYU professor, Scott Breathwaite, and he talked about somebody's model of um, suicidality and one of the circles is perceived burdenness mm. and um, not belonging is the other one. I'm, they're coming back to me. And the third one is an increased ri- risk for compulsive um, sort of behavior, just a tolerance for high risk. And, but the perceived burdenness is just, just what you articulated, that somehow you're messing up your family's eternal plan or there's shame and embarrassment and all these things about you. And I'm glad you're so honest with, here you are thinking of your family as you're coming out. Yeah. But recognizing for you to for you to move forward in your life in a way that's emotionally stable and spiritually stable, and you needed to do this. Yeah. Their lives I feel like everyone's lives are always crazy, right? Like I remember they were moving and there was this family thing and that. And I was just like, oh, it's not the right time. Like, but it's never the right time. Like life is is the way it is. And um I, I feel like I, I was reaching out for support when I felt like completely alone. Um, and yeah, I, I just, re- yeah, I remember feeling completely alone and like no one understood me or that I didn't have any support because I had gone through this for 25 years without telling anyone. And, and doing it on my own. I remember my mom saying that too, that she's like, I'm, I felt, I feel so bad that you've had to do this alone. Um, and, and I hope for those listening that you don't have to be alone. There's so much support, um, to, and people to talk to, to, yeah, 
to to get that support that you need because it, it's scary it's hard um and i feel like yeah openness and communication to seek that support is really essential as part of the journey talk about your relationship with the church i still love the church yeah i i have no negative feelings towards the church uh i don't have time for that for bitterness and hatred and and uh, anger again my experience is different than others but uh, I, I still love the church and I always will. It's a big part of who I am and always will be. Um, uh, I don't attend church, uh, but I love the church and have no negative feelings. What, what, what could the church do to help you to make it so that you would attend? That's a and, great question. And it may depend on who you marry and just you may make the decision with your husband just how that works out. So I don't expect you to know the answer to that question right now, but just yeah. any thoughts of it's sort of I'm a marketing guy, mm. so I'm kind of going um I want I love the church and I love the restored doctrine and you do too. So there's not like I need to convince you of that, but I think we're worse off without you, Bryce. Mm. And so I think in my marketing mind, what could we do? so that you would choose to participate because we're better off and we need you. Yeah. I need to, I need to analyze that for myself, okay. to be honest. Um, I, because my immediate response is I don't feel like there's a place for me in it's the church. Honest. It's an honest response. Yeah. I feel like w with current teachings and, and the way the church is like, I don't feel like there's a place, but I know that maybe that's my, got reaction and, and maybe I should choose to make my place in the church. So I think I need to evaluate myself. Do you more. have, even though you're very kind towards the church, do you think you have some PTSD or just some, do you think there's been some trauma because of just the way we've talked about LGBTQ people at church? And it's sort of, you've heard that for a couple decades. So it's partly just staying emotionally safe to distance yourself from the church for a period of time or, I think, or forever. I don't yeah, know. I think, I think absolutely. I think, you know, there, there is, there is conference talks. There is, you know, lessons in church that I remember hearing and, and that hurt. Um, uh, especially where like, I, I didn't choose this. Um, and so it's difficult for me to feel like there isn't a place for something I didn't choose. I feel like with other with other things, like it's a it's a choice to uh, for yeah. There's it's good. There's a choice. Um, yeah, and so I think your feelings are valid. I've learned just to sit with people in their pain and not have to have them prove it or say that Sunday school teacher really didn't mean that, Bryce. You're being yeah. too sensitive. I've I just recognize that we have created some PTSD in in many. LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and it's some of it might be pretty innocent where we just didn't understand, and we said things that we thought would be helpful, but they haven't been. And that's one of the purposes. That's why we're so glad you're on the podcast, just to help us all do better. Yeah. Um, what are things that, well, I'm gonna, I would just invite listeners when they see somebody that, like Bryce, that has chosen not to participate in the church at times, we just don't say shaming comments to you, like you've turned your back on your covenants or your teachings or your church or you've turned your back on your mission. I think those comments now cause me to cringe because to me, I don't think 
it's hopeful. Um, I'm not sure it's true either. I don't have a way to understand figuratively what you've turned your back on and haven't. I don't, how would I know that in the first place to make that? Yeah, if you're not participating in the church, I could conclude just from that, but I really don't have an insight into your relationship with Heavenly Father and with the Savior, the good you're doing for others. So I, yeah, any, just any thoughts on that? Um, and maybe what, maybe what active Latter-day Saints can stay towards you that just help you? Yeah, I think my, my thoughts on that are going back to a lot of what we talked about is just love. Like, I don't think, um, I think love is always the answer. And I have been very lucky in my journey to have fantastic family, fantastic friends, and, and those around me who I, I haven't had many negative experiences. And for that, I feel lucky where I feel like people around me are choosing to love me for who I am. And uh, I think just, yeah, check yourself and, and make sure uh, that you're choosing to love and uh, choosing to accept before you choose to pass judgment or maybe a harsh comment. I like that. And I, I've shared this phrase before in the podcast, but to me, to fully love, and it's a false dichotomy in my mind that to fully love and follow God, I need to stop loving some of his children. Mm. Or in other words, if I get too close to Bryce and LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, or if I feel too loving towards them as they make their path in life, that somehow that is crossing a line where God is displeased with me, or I'm not loving God because I'm, and to me, that's just a false dichotomy. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're teaching us, that, and that to me, that is what Christ taught. Um, share more things you'd like to share with our listeners. Yeah, I think one thing that I want to share is is just um, I I decided this year that uh, instead of setting New Year's resolution or goals, that I would choose a word to live by for the year. And I think this is going to be a new tradition for me to just choose a word every single year. And the word that I chose this year was authentic. And that's part of my reason for being on the podcast here today. And it, it's hard to talk about like my story in this format, to be honest. Um, it's, it brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings, but I feel like I'm choosing and trying to be authentically me. And, and um, it's allowed me to develop stronger relationships with people where I have been able to break down walls and barriers. And instead of trying to hide who I am or, or be ashamed of part of who I am, I'm choosing to, to be authentically me. And uh, I think choosing to live authentically is, is hard, um, but I'm happy and I've never been more happy than I am now. And so I think, yeah, for, for listeners who are, are listening in and maybe in a hard spot in their life, um, I think, yeah, breaking down those walls and, and choosing to be authentic is something that I found to be really meaningful and, and bring a lot of joy. I love that. I love the word authentic mm. and I love the feeling of belonging it creates. We talk a lot about fitting in as assessing a situation and becoming something you need to be in order to be accepted. Belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. Mm. And um, I love what you're doing. It takes great courage. It's not out of rebellion. It's not out of turning your, to me, it's just out of wanting to, there's the, I like the pride of self-respect. 
to me, that's a good kind of pride. And it's the pride that's not comparative in nature. Mm. I might be gay, but I can still be, you know, better than them because I don't drink. Um, And that's not fun to share that that is part of my journey, but that's what it was. Um, But now I'm choosing, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I haven't had alcohol. Like I, I don't see the purpose for me starting now. And so a lot of them are because I, I still love the church and I respect it. Um, and I love my family and uh, my family is still active Mormon. Um, and so I think for me now, it, it's more of not a choice that I feel like I have to because uh, it's, it's a choice that I'm choosing to make on my own. And I, you know, I, we never really talk about in church settings how to live life off the covenant path, so to speak. Mm. Um, because it, it becomes a very binary black and white. You're either on the covenant path or you're not. And yes. I guess in some ways you're off the covenant path because you're dating men and pursuing a same-sex marriage. But I think w- another way to approach that is that's the reality of your life. And so I've wondered if we're kind to people, um, all people just love, like you say, if they're more likely to just li- live as many covenants as they can. And if they feel more love from their faith communities as they choose their own way, they may feel less pain and rejection that keeps them in a better spot spiritually to, to continue to live as many covenants as they can. And, and it's not our job anyway to assess if Bryce is living covenants or not. Are you okay with all that? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about like the black and the white and like I'm living gray. And uh, I think you know, for me that works and, and for other people it might not, but yeah, I think love and understanding is, it, it can only help. And my hope is that more LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, even those in same-sex relationships feel welcome in our congregations. To me, the congregation should be safe for everybody. There should be no belief or behavior hurdle to feel welcome, valued, needed in an LDS congregation. And to me, the gate narrows at the temple where there's a belief and behavior hurdle. And, and so I, that's an area where I just think without any doctrinal changes, I think, and I think that is what Christ um, and your family is doing that. You feel welcome in your family. And mm-hmm. so I've wondered if we can take what your family is doing and do a better job in our congregations. And I think we can still teach the proclamation of the family that marriage is ordained of God and also recognize that there's people that that don't have a path for that to happen in their life. That's never been within your control, Bryce. Yeah, I agree. It's never been in within your control. And so you can be celibate, um, which still isn't <laughs> in a marriage between a man and a woman, or you can choose what you feel is the right path for you. But I think we can just acknowledge that that is our doctrine, but it doesn't, not everybody has a way to make that work for them in their life. And and we can teach that doctrine without being negative towards LGBTQ people. Sometimes I feel like we need a villain in our narrative. So we politically, we can't just talk about our own party. We have to talk about how bad the other party is to lift our own party. And I think we can just talk about our doctrine without finding a villain to sort of drive home our points. Because sometimes the quote unquote villain is the LGBT closeted person sitting in the congregation that just hears messages about people like them, and it's really hard on them. Are you okay with all that? Yeah, yeah. More things you'd like to share with our listeners? I think, yeah, I think 
that's my story that, yeah, it's been a journey to get to where I am today, but, uh, I finally feel that, you know, I, I am, I love who I am and, uh, I do feel that I was born this way and that God made me gay. Um, and so I'm choosing to live my best, happiest life and be a good person and, uh, hopefully find someone to, to share my life with. Um, and I, I like hearing people's hopes. Hope is my favorite word. And, um, if that's your hope, I support your hope and I want to do everything I can to make your hope become a reality. And I would pray that you're able to find the right person for you. If I were your friend, (laughs) thank you. Um, because I think God will help you on the road that you feel is best with you for you. And that's, I think you know that it's kind of a message for listeners that I think whatever your road feel is best, or if you feel you've chosen a road that now there's no way God can love you, I think your worth is set. Um, and you don't have to earn worthiness. You don't have to earn God's love. It's there. Um, just a couple thoughts that came to my mind. Um, I did a fireside, a Zoom fireside in a ward in Boston. Um, the bishop wanted to have... Um, me speak to their youth about LGBTQ, and I invited Ben Shalotti, um, who our listeners may know is gay. He's in his mid-30s. He's a professor at BYU. He works in the Honor Code office. He's a high counselor, mm. and he's celibate. And um, he did a great job. But I just, you know, when that fireside was over, I went and told my wife about the fireside. And then my daughter was living in Boston, Bishop happened to be on the fire at the fireside. It wasn't his ward. And he texted my daughter and she screenshotted that text and sent it to me and said, I did a good job. Mm. But then I thought, who did Ben Shalotti go home to? And I just, who? And I just recognized the sacrifice that he's making to be a member of the church in good standing and that he doesn't have a wife or a daughter once something like that's over to share that experience with. And, and I just, just, you know, I just recognize how difficult all the roads are for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And so I think we do what Bryce is choosing is we just choose as members of the church to love. And I think it's okay for members of the church and LGBTQ people to have hope something changes mm. as they can, as they do their best with, current understanding, um, things could change in the church. It's possible that we find a way for um, people like you that are wanting to find a husband and find a husband to somehow participate in the church. And I don't think if we, I don't think we should excuse everybody from the church, <laughs> Rose, and sometimes do us and do a survey that everybody that hopes something will change in the church is they're willing to <laughs> follow current teachings for allies. Obviously, we can sit on the pews as allies and wait for things to change, but you can't. You have to sort of go forward in your life. And that's where Ben Shalati on the fireside talked about the importance of personal revelation. That was his primary message to the youth of that stake is our doctrine of personal revelation, and you can get that directly from heavenly parents. And then my feeling about that is my personal revelation doesn't give me the ability to judge your personal revelation, Bryce. I just say, I just support you in what you think is your path. And I'll leave that all the Savior's feet and show love. So 
Um, another closing thought is Steve Young, who wrote the foreword to this book um, and is a great LGBTQ ally. We were on the phone last night and he used a word several times in that conversation to describe you, LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and he called you warriors. And I said, Steve, tell me why you call them warriors. And he said, you know, us allies, we can kind of step out, step out of this. You know, we can go back to, you know, we just, and, but you're a warrior because you are dealing with us 24-7. You can't step out of, of being a gay Latter-day Saint for a weekend. It's just, it's hardwired into you. It's part of your beautiful essence. It's not something that should be carved out. And I love, I love the word warrior. Um, you're a warrior, Bryce. I think it's one of the comp highest compliments you can be given is, and I think you're doing a good job of being a warrior. To, warrior to me isn't someone that's angry, isn't someone that's picking a fight. It's somebody that's in just a really tough situation and consistently moving forward in the very best way they can. And to me, that comes with great faith and great courage. And I love your word of authentic. Um, any closing thoughts that come to your mind? No, I appreciate you yeah, having me here. And, and uh, it's been, yeah, it's been good to, to share and to open up. I haven't really done this in, uh, or told my story like this. So thanks for allowing me to share it. It's a privilege to have you on the podcast, Bryce. You are a great man. There's a great spirit about you. And you have blessed many lives and you will bless many lives. And the world is a better place with you here. And um, as you've not less active in the church, you are less active in the church. One of my feelings is to thank you for all the service you've given. Mm. Um, I've always, I thought, why don't, you know, we could just define you as somebody that's not participating in the church right now, but maybe we could just define you as somebody that's given so much for the church and has helped so many people. And thank you for that. Mm. Um, because I think that's what Heavenly Father would do. And I think he'd take you back to Sydney. I think he'd take you to that Samoa award. We had a son that served in Samoa. He's helping me pronounce it correctly. Mm. I love that. Polynesian people, and I think he'd take you back to Sydney and all those towns you served in, and I think he'd help you even better understand all the people that are better off because you just helped them feel um, Heavenly Father's love, his love, and the atonement. So thank you for all that you've done for our church. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being authentic and courageous enough to come on the podcast and honor your New Year's resolution. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. 